0: And welcome back to The X-Zone, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call The X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, and The X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and our family of broadcast affiliates right around this world. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on, uh, on all multimedia sites and platforms, exxonradio.tv. If you'd like to see what's going on in the Exxon Nation, our website is exonradiotv.com And for the Exxon TV channel on Simultv, 724-365, visit www.simultv.com ExoNation, my first guest tonight is Gary Allen, and he is the author of 15 books, including the Amazon bestsellers The Dead, A True Paranormal Story, Haunted Tampa, and Ghost Crimes. In 1999, Gary purchased a home that that he soon found to be haunted by its former occupant. In his free time, Gary is an advocate of animal welfare and has donated his time and book royalties to assist local animal adoption agencies as well as the Wounded Warrior Project. First of all, Gary, welcome to the X Zone. Second of all, God bless you for the work that you do with the wounded warriors as well as the animals.
1: Thank you so much for having me and, and thank you for those, those kind words.
0: Um, Gary, tell us a little bit about... More about yourself, Uh, prior to buying this house that you found out to be later haunted by the previous owner, did you have any interest in the paranormal?
1: I had interest because I had my first experience when I was 12 years old. And um, it was a very pretty terrifying experience. I I had gone to bed Mm -hmm. and my bedroom was at the top of the stairs of a two-story house. And the family dog was at the foot of the bed. And I was laying there and I hadn't fallen asleep yet. And suddenly the bed levitated itself, um, what felt like just a few inches off the floor. And I froze, and a few seconds later, it Mm -hmm. just dropped back down on the floor. And it was a pretty heavy bed. And I I got confirmation that it, it actually happened. The dog jumped off the bed, my limbs had moved, and I just sat there, you know, sort of frozen in terror. And at the same time, my older brother had been coming up the stairs and he sort of peeked in my room and he said, What was that noise? Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't I didn't say anything, you know, I was I was frozen in terror and he just, you know, wandered off and chalked it up to another weird little brother moment. And um, that was the first time anything like that had happened to me and I, I couldn't I couldn't find an explanation for it um, for, for quite some time. And so one day I was I was a big heavy metal guy back in the day, A C D C and Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath. And, um, I had a tapestry on the wall, an Ozzy Osbourne tapestry, and it was put up with four thumbtacks and it was off the wall and I couldn't find it, but I ended up finding it underneath my bed and on the tapestry in the center was a very large pentagram. And I had no idea what that meant at the time. It was only later that I could kind of piece together what that was about and, the strangest thing about that experience was the tapestry found its way underneath my bed, but the four tacks were still in the wall, but the tapestry was not ripped at all. Unreal. Like it had been removed yeah, it had been removed and the tacks put back. I don't I, I couldn't you know, I thought maybe my brothers were messing with me, but of course the bed levitating was a whole nother level of uh something I couldn't explain.
0: I so know, that but, sort of opened
1: yeah. the door <laughs> to experiences the rest of my life. <laughs>
0: Uh, What made you decide to write down your experiences in your book, The Dead, A True Paranormal Story?
1: Well, I had had written seven short stories and Mm -hmm. what they were. I had studied metaphysics uh, for many years and had more paranormal experiences. And I said, you know, so many people were so interested in the experiences when I explained to them, you know, what had happened to me. And through the study of metaphysics, I, I sort of tried to make sense of it and, and use it to actually enhance my life in a way. And I started to think about reincarnation and things like that and divination and how, you know, it, it helps us kind of think about what's happening and and, and help us make better decisions in and, and our life and understand what's happening and even help us, you know, understand the bad things yeah. that happen and, and the lessons we can learn from it. And so my, my idea in the seven short stories, which I put together in a book called Seven Lessons, it was sort of a metaphysics 101 mm. and their incarnation, uh, reincarnation and astral projection and um, alien abduction and all these things. And I wanted to kind of present it to people as sort of a, a, a fundamental explanation of my experiences related to those things. And so many people asked me, do those things really happen? you know so is the main character you, and did those things happen? And I said, yes, they did, and of course I'd written a fiction a fictional series about it. And I said, well, let me write exactly what happened to me. From the time I had that first experience at 12 years old with my bed levitating until now, which at the time was 2014. So I literally just wrote in chronological order everything that happened to me. And um, it was very well received. And it was, uh, of course, I I was burying my soul, Mm -hmm. (laughs) telling people what had happened. I had had loss during that time um, that I had to talk about and also purchasing um, the house that I still live in um, in 1999.
0: Tell us about the house. So,
1: like, oh boy! Like, we we're, we're, were you, moved in. Were you drawn to actually this house? Hallow-
0: were were you drawn you know, to the funny, house, Gary?
1: What's funny is, um, when we were looking for the house, mm-hmm. uh, I said I don't want to live in this neighborhood. We had rented a house in the neighborhood um, when I was very young, and I didn't like it, and I just didn't want to live in that area, and so. But the criteria I wanted, you know, swimming pool and some other things, yeah. um, in my price range, it really just came to – the, the the realtor actually said, you know, hey, there's a house in this neighborhood. You need to see it. And reluctantly, I, I looked at it. But in the view, it's on a lake and I had a pool. I said, I can make the rest of it work. You know, it wasn't in great shape, but I can make – and she, she looked at me and she said, buyers are liars. You know, you said you didn't want to live here, but guess what? You're going to live here. And <laughs> I said, okay. Well, what she didn't disclose to me – and it's funny, this is actually – the weekend that I moved in, I moved in on Halloween weekend in nineteen ninety nine. Um, what she did not disclose to me was that the previous owner had committed suicide in the front bedroom. Mm. And I found out through on moving day with my next door neighbor and sadly my next door ne- name, next door neighbor's child had actually found the individual he wandered into the house, the door oh, was no. opened and actually found him in the front bedroom. And yeah, so that was um and and I called the realtor and asked. I said, you know, legally, you know, you should have told me. And she said, well, legally, I don't have to in Florida. And I said, well, ethically, <laughs> you could have told me. Um, but they didn't disclose that information. So that was a that was a, a chilling a beginning of a chilling experience. It took um, about two years to uh, remove um, the negative presence that was in the
0: store. Or, I'm sorry, in the house. So so, how did it first manifest itself in the in the house?
1: So the very first thing that happened was before we even moved in, um, the house was gutted. Like There was no blinds. There were no ceiling fans. There were no mirrors. Everything had been taken out. It was very strange. So a friend of mine um, was helping me hang blinds and ceiling fans. So we were hanging blinds one day, and there's nothing else in the house, literally just walls and floors. Mm-hmm. And I had left to go to Home Depot to get some things, and I came back, and he had a bad back, so he was kind of laying on the floor, kind of like letting his back rest, and he was talking. And I came in, and I said, I said hey, and he, he kind of looked at me, and he was shocked. And he goes, where have you been? I said, I told you, I went to Home Depot. He goes, well, who have I been talking to? And I said, what? Hmm. And some, a, voice, a voice from the front bedroom, who he thought was mean, had, he had been having a conversation with them. And, they were, and I said, well, what were you talking about? What were they saying? And he said they were asking questions, and they were agitated. They were asking questions like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm hanging the blinds. He's like, why? What happened to the old blinds? And he's like, I don't know. We're, he was very confused because I was, he thought it was me asking these questions about why he was there and what he was doing. And I was agitated when, in fact, I had asked him to help me hang them. So that was the, the first experience. He also um, lost tools. They never We never found them. And when I finally moved in, I, so many things went missing out of the gate. And over the two years, what I noticed was most of the activity, whether it was things going missing, banging on the walls, um, light bulbs and batteries just being blown and drained constantly. it was always when there was I was painting or refurbishing or redecorating or changing something in the house, and I kind of made the connection finally. Ah, I'm changing something. <laughs> the uh. previous owner has to be here. I'm changing his house, he's not digging it. he doesn't want it to happen, and um, yeah, so that happened for about two years. Sadly, um, as I dug more into the story, I found that he had died, dove into something. Um, it was either a voodoo or a Santeria kind of thing. There was, uh, the neighbor reported that when they found him, he had shot himself in the front bedroom, but there was an altar set up and it had candles and chicken feet and, and blood, and very strange things, like I said, connected to maybe voodoo or samperia. Yeah. and unfortunately there was also, once I brought a psychic in, it was determined that yes, he was still there, but there was also a very, very dark, negative, demon-esque um, presence that, that Gary conjured with him.
0: Gary, I've got to take my first break. Please stand by. XO Nation, Gary Allen is our very special guest. What a story www.garyallen.com. That's G A R E Allen.com. And Gary and I will return on the other side of this break as the Exone continues right here from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Want a great uh, radio station to listen to? Do you like classic rock, classic talk? Listen to Classic 1220 at www.classic1220.ca. Everyone, Gary Allen is our guest. His website is www.garyallen.com. Okay, so how did your friend feel afterwards when he realized that you weren't there, that he was talking to someone or something else? It must have been.
1: Well, he never came. He never came back. Oh,
0: <laughs> that's one way have lose to lose a friend, right?
1: It was a friend. It was someone I'd worked with, and um, he was a handyman, mm-hmm. um, so he was a you know, perfect uh, choice to help me, but. You know, over the years I've noticed that people have one of a couple different responses. If it happens and they're like, Oh my gosh, I want nothing to do with this and you'll never see me again and then you have the other end of the spectrum where they're like, Let's try and do make it happen again. <laughs> Let's go back in there and you they, they can't get enough. And um so he was the he was the, the uh the former unfortunately.
0: So how did you finally get rid of the sanity?
1: So I had a, an awful experience. Um I was in bed one night and I had my shirt off and, and I couldn't get to sleep. I was agitated and I, mm-hmm. I, I kept tossing and turning and I don't know why, um, but I was lying on my side at one point and my, I had three dogs at the time, the first generation of dogs I had, and they all slept in the bed with me. And I felt what, I, what felt like two fingers push my ribs and it pushed me enough that I literally moved. It, it rocked me. Wow. And, uh, and I turned around and I was frozen and and I sort of, I guess it's called sleep paralysis. I'd never had it before. I haven't had it since. And there was like this yellow eyed, the best word is a demon. It was this yellow eyed figure with burnt, a burnt face. And it had like these little weird whiskers on its chin and it was just staring at me and it was absolutely terrifying. And the whole thing happened in probably like seconds, maybe three or four seconds, but it felt like forever. And I was just frozen. And it sort of had this weird look like almost inquisitive, like it was curious about me. And I was frozen and it got closer and closer to my face. And one of the little whiskers like actually touched my face. And for whatever reason, that seemed to break my paralysis. And I jumped and it literally was out of the room in a flash. And at the same time, all three of my dogs jumped up and chased this thing down to the front bedroom they got to the front bedroom the front bedroom door slams shut and the dogs are stuck on the opposite side barking oh my gosh and i'm just i'm just frozen just absolutely frozen in terror and i said okay enough yeah. <laughs> enough of this now that was and, the front
0: bedroom where the gentleman had committed suicide
1: correct and it, it was it, it was a guest room and I'm in Tampa, Florida. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it is, you know, 80, 90 degrees on average every day. And I would, I had the, I had to close the vent in there because that room stayed so cold. It was just, it was just an awful room that felt awful. It was cold and I wanted nothing to do with it. And I couldn't get the, the visual of the explanation of, you know, when he was found of what it was like. Right. And, so I, a friend of mine um, is in touch with a modern-day shaman, and I was willing to do anything at this point. I had a psychic come over. The psychic, the night before the psychic came over, mm-hmm. he was attacked in his home. So when he showed up the next day, he was furious. And I, and I said, I don't understand why you're mad at me. And he said he was attacked. Whatever we were trying to get rid of had actually come to his home. And this is a very accomplished psychic. Um, and he, his house is protected And whatever it was, was able to get in with no problem and actually sent pain through his legs. And it was he took it as a warning. So we did many, many rituals and, and you know, cleansings and did the, you know, the the lemons in the four corners of the room and and the incantations. And, you know, at the time, it was almost silly what we were doing. I'm like, this is crazy. I can only sage and salt water and holy water so much, you know, in this little tiny, you know, guest room at the front of the house. And what we determined was that we were the, the homeowner wasn't evil. So we weren't doing, he was okay to stay. He didn't feel uncomfortable with what we were doing because he wasn't a bad guy. He was just, he had went through just some tough times and made a a rough call. But this other thing was just way too powerful. Whatever he had conjured and and, and brought in um, was way too powerful. So I got in touch with a modern day shaman who does remote cleansings and When he was finished, even he said, look, I didn't get rid of it. He said, I have it bound in in a corner, in a tiny, tiny corner of the closet where it can never come out of. It can never get back in the room. Um, But that was the best he could do. And after that, I actually all those things stopped happening and life sort of resumed and. I brought another psychic in because I said, we have to pass this homeowner along. We have to have him find peace. You know, it was, it was an awful breakup. He was here by himself. The wife had left. Oh, um, he he was just, he was distraught. Um, he was desperate to bring her back, which is like, which is where I think the, you know, magic altar that he had set up, he was trying to bring her back or, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that fashion. And, um, and eventually it passed. And, and, I've learned how to protect my house um, on the outside with sage and holy water and, and other prayers and such. So it's, some things still slip in here and there, but nothing like what I had dealt with back then.
0: So after you have worked with the shaman, the psychic, and you've protected the house, is there any more unruly paranormal activity happening within the house?
1: Yeah. So you know what's interesting, Rob? And I don't know if this happens to you, but um, I'll bring them back with me. I'll go somewhere and i went, I was looking at homes, and I was looking at some older homes, and I remember one in particular, and I said, "Wow, I don't feel comfortable here and the parent the 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 folks that owned it had both passed within six months of each other, and they had lived in this house for forty years, and the husband had literally built much of the house himself, and we got lucky that the daughter lived down the street, so she did the walk to show us the house and it was a great walk, but I just got this feeling like I, I don't think they want me to move here. I just got this feeling like I'm not welcome here. And it really was kind of not my style anyway. So I come home. I go to bed that night. I get up in the middle of the night, to use the restroom, and I go walking in the bathroom, and a towel that's on the bathroom counter doesn't just fall off. It flies across the bathroom the second I walk in there. And I just knew it was this woman who had owned the house. And she, she came home with me. I don't know, she, to make sure I wouldn't go back and buy it. And I said, look, I'm not buying your house. Um, but I got in touch with the, the shaman. And I said, mm-hmm. hey, could you do a remote cleansing for me? He said, sure, I'll do it tomorrow. And so the day went by. And then I said, hey, how did it go? And he said, I got rid of her. It was a very angry old woman. <laughs> and I said, I said, that fits the bill. And I didn't tell him anything. So <laughs> so every now and then I will have that. I did have... um. Some very um, strong and and loud banging on the outside sliding glass doors. And that just told me that something wanted in uh, for whatever reason. But my barrier, you know, was working. So that was good. But, yeah, so what's happening is um, not not egregious these days. That's good.
0: Well, you know, most guys go to bars or houses and bring home women. You go and bring home spirits. What can I say?
1: (laughs) i gotta look into that right
0: yeah um
1: has that has that has that not happened to you have you not had that kind of experience
0: uh no no i haven't oh i really haven't um i'm the kind of guy that goes on ghost hunts everybody sees and hears things and i say where what do you mean (laughs) what i can't see anything i can't hear anything you know i i don't know and why do you think that some people like yourself can have those experiences and guys like myself just don't?
1: You know, that's a great question. And I was listening to a podcast earlier, a friend of mine was on and she was asked a similar question. And I think there's a couple reasons why some a spirit on the other side is, is drawn to a person. Mm-hmm. And it really depends on where they're at. So, um, you know, I used to always believe that People are manipulated easily if they're um, in a bad space, if they're depressed, if they're, you know, t- intaking drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. It lowers your vibration. It makes you vulnerable to that, to suggestion. So I think the spirits and ghosts, if they have, you know, ill intentions, can get inside your head and, and, and motivate you to maybe do some bad things, if that's their intention. The other side of it is, if you're lonely on the other side, you've passed over, but you haven't passed on. So you're like, Hey, I just need some attention or or this person is open to the Mm -hmm. reality that we exist. So I'm going to show them I exist because, you know, this guy writes books about us. So I know I can get his attention and maybe it's just a little bit of attention because they're lonely um, or they have a message or they have something they want to finish and they think I can help. Um, I'm not sure, um, but I definitely, I'm open to it and they know that Uh So, so whether it's, you know, like I said, a positive or negative reaction, they know that I'm open to it and I'll believe. And I won't just say that towel fell off the counter. It actually flew. I'll know what it, you know, there was a message there.
0: Whether you're a believer or a skeptic, I guess that that will be the guide for the spirits to enter. Yet I I want to be a believer. I really do. Hmm. I'll have to think about what you just said. Gary, stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. And Exxon Nation, Gary Allen is our guest this hour. And if you'd like to find out more about Gary, visit his website, GaryAllen.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. This is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, and Mutual Broadcast Network. And like I've been telling you guys, ever since I found this radio station online, they're an AM radio station in St. Catharines, Ontario, but they beam around the world at www.classic1220.ca. Classic music, classic talk. It's a great station. Give it a listen. We'll be back. Don't go away.
1: You see us together,
0: chasing the my my as our guest of this hour, Exonation, Nation, www.garyallen.com. Gary, I understand that you've gone through past life regression. And and how did it change your life?
1: I did. Um, a friend of mine actually gave me a past life regression gift certificate. Didn't mm-hmm. know those things were <laughs> a gift idea, but I got one at the time. And uh, I was regressed back into a life that um, I ended up, I, re- I it was such a real experience that I ended up, Dreaming about it in a continuing fashion, and then got my own regression. Um, at the time, it was cassettes, and, uh, and and continued to dive into that lifetime. And it was a very interesting lifetime. It was the previous lifetime um, where I was a male,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I had unfortunately been in a motorcycle accident. Um, my girlfriend was on the back of the motorcycle. Um, she did not survive the accident. Mm-hmm. Um, I was paralyzed from the waist down as a result. I then found out that she uh, was pregnant. Um, neither one of us knew. And so I spent the rest of my life in a wheelchair and uh, it was not a, a very happy lifetime. I did nothing but uh, medic, self-medicate myself um, until I ended up passing in um, December of 1968. And what's interesting is I was born in January of 1969 and I was due um, the middle of December. And they even induced labor because the, my mother tells, told me that the doctor didn't want to have to deal with me over the holidays, and um, but I still didn't come out until January 12th. And what's interesting about that lifetime is being paralyzed from the waist down in a chair the whole time. I, When I was younger, up until the point that I regressed to back into that life, I could never sleep with pajama bottoms on or the blanket on my legs. I was very claustrophobic. I don't mm-hmm. know maybe now what's restless leg, I'm not sure what you call it, but I I always felt claustrophobic if I had something on my legs. And so I would sleep without covers for for my entire life up to that point. And once I regressed to that life, that went away. I didn't have any problem pulling the covers on or or sleeping in pajama bottoms. And I also regressed, I also regressed to another life, um, which was very, very dear to me. Uh, My mother has since passed, but Um, I was talking to my mother one day, and and she was a very grounded person. Um, She was open to things, but we didn't talk about metaphysics or paranormal. She's a very grounded individual. And I had a recurring dream, and the recurring dream I had all my life um, was stemmed from this lifetime. And I was a native Indian back in uh, in the 1800s, and my tribe and I had um, attacked a wagon train trail and killed, slaughtered. Everybody that was traveling in these wagons and horses. And at the very end of the dream, um, there's one girl left alive and she had been hiding under a blanket. And I pull my arrow back and I'm about to release it. And every time I'm about to release it, I wake up and I connected into this lifetime with my mother, who was actually the little girl. And So one day I'm I'm, I'm talking to my mother and we were talking about dreams. She had a cool dream that night and she was just telling me about it. And I said, I said, have you ever had recurring dreams? And she said, yeah. She said, I dreamed that I'm a little girl and I'm being attacked and there's an Indian about to shoot me with an arrow. But before he does, I always wake up. And I just looked at her and it just, it it was sort of just a neat, um, another layer to our dynamics. I was very close to my mother. Um, as far as, you know, what your relationship can be like Mm -hmm. in other lifetimes, um, but you bring that closeness just in a different way into the, the next lifetimes.
0: Have you had communication with your mother since she's passed on the other side?
1: So my mother actually said goodbye to me before she passed and I didn't know it at the time but for a year after my mother passed um i dreamt of her almost every night and it was terrifying because in the dream um she didn't have eyes and i and i didn't understand it and I, and I, it was always a, a situation where i was trying to understand what was happening mm-hmm. why she wasn't talking to me why she couldn't see me why you know the eyes were blacked out or or they were just i couldn't see her eyes and i didn't understand it and it took a year for me to finally connect and understand um, because I had blocked it out the night that she had passed was so devastating. I'd blocked it out. Well, the night she, she had passed, I got home at probably three o'clock in the morning from the hospital. And after she had been pronounced passed, and the phone rang and I was with my brother and it, it was the hospital and he answered the phone and he looks at me and he goes, it's the hospital. They want to know if they can take mom's eyes. Cause she was an organ donor organ donor. And I said, what? And he, he took the call and I to put it out of my mind. And then once I realized that I had an amazing dream where she had her eyes and she said goodbye to me one last time.
0: Isn't that wonderful?
1: And yeah, it was it was it was it was a year of this awful build up. <laughs> but I said, Well points for the drama, Mom <laughs> You know, for that. But so yeah. Um Yeah. Well, so that's ask- a very
0: special uh, I I imagine it would be and um It's amazing what comes to us in dreams, isn't it?
1: It is. And you know, I kind of have my my thoughts on dreams are they're they're most often there are a couple of things, but they're most often for me mm-hmm. a release of emotion, something I'm not dealing with in my waking life. So, you know, I dream of this, you know, big dramatic experience and you know, I'm you know, all excited or angry or, or, you know, expanding energy Mm -hmm. in the dream. I'm being chased, you know, whatever. And I really just think that, okay, I'm not releasing the stress from my work day or something I'm dealing with, you know, I'm not, I'm not dealing with it or it's a warning. I think the subconscious is like, Hey, you know, you're doing this and this is the road we're heading on. Just so you know, you might want to think twice before we continue down this road. And I think they can kind of show us, Hey, you know, there's some stuff going on i'm huge into symbolism yes and i think my subconscious knows that Mm -hmm. so and i've built up a lexicon of those symbols of those symbols in my mind so they know when i dream of something in particular they know how i'm going to interpret it and so they end up using that so it's an interesting relationship between your subconscious if you sort of build that relationship through the dream state um and of course the last thing i think dreams are is every now and then if you're lucky enough they're prophetic they're like, hey, this is what's coming. And I think it's beneficial. Sometimes it can ease the pain or shock of something dramatic that's coming um, or just to prepare you so that you can, you know, address it better or sure. handle it better.
0: I'm a lucid dreamer. I, can, I have dreams within dreams within dreams. And I know wow. when I'm dreaming I've got this little system worked out that if I'm, you know, if I'm trying to figure out if this is a dream or reality, I will try to read a newspaper or I will try to read a sign. And if they make no sense to me, I know it's a lucid dream and I have fun.
1: (laughs) That sounds amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have that ability, (laughs) but I do dream vividly and quite often.
0: (laughs) No, I I get into a dream and let's say it's in this, in the city somewhere. I start looking at the signs on the buildings, or I'll go to a newspaper stand and try to read a newspaper or magazine. And if I can't, I know it's a dream and I have fun. I really do.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Why do you think that you have been given the gift to have all these experiences, to have the ability to, to see the other side, communicate with the other side?
1: You know what's interesting is I, I, I've, I really ask myself questions like that all the time. I'm 52 years old now. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I first experienced it at 12 years old, and I ran with this. I, <laughs> I wanted to figure this out, and I, I don't know why I'm so drawn to it, and, and, and shame on me. I really see the, the world is a bit mundane sometimes. Don't get me wrong. There's amazing things here and sure. amazing people. But for whatever reason, I'm like, you know, whatever. I'm bored with, you know, the physical. Show me the mm-hmm. other stuff. And I've always been drawn to it. It's like, to me, it's, that's what's real. That's, that's what's really going on out there. And to answer your question, I really think it's because I'm a very, very, very young soul. I have not incarnated that many times and I think for whatever reason in this particular lifetime, I think in the other lifetimes, I was probably so – I immersed myself in the physical so much that it, it did damage to me. Mm-hmm. And I've regressed to many lifetimes. Where, and they were not they were not enjoyable lifetimes by any means, and they were very immersed in the physical experience and the human experience. And I think maybe this was finally the chance of like, okay, very early on, you're going to understand that there's something way outside of what you're so focused on. And not to be so focused in the physical. And that's kind of what I've guessed. Um, who knows? You know what? I think when we pass over, you kind of get a lot more clarity. But that's what I think. I think I'm just so young that they're like, okay, you need to, you need, you're, you're, you're going too deep in the mud. And you can't see the forest for the trees. So I'm able to kind of see the outside of it now. And the passion for writing was always there. And what better way? I mean, essentially, when I write, I'm journaling is what I'm doing. Because I'm telling my story, but I'm preserving my story as well, um, But I'm, so I can go back and, and refer to it,
0: you know, for future events. Sure, Gary, stand by. We've got to take our final break for this hour. At explanation, Nation, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, how you can get his books, visit www.garyallen.com. And Gary and I will be back on the other side of these short messages as we wrap up this hour here in the Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Gary Allen is our guest. His website is GaryAllen.com. First of all, Gary, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Always a great pleasure talking to people and hearing their stories. Uh, and, you know, you've had so many stories and experiences in your life. Uh, what was your most frightening experience that you've had over the years?
1: You know, definitely the uh, the demon in my home. You know, there's nothing... When you're in your bed, mm-hmm. in your bedroom, you know, you're, you're, you're no more vulnerable than there. And it's supposed to be the safe space, right? Even When you go to a friend's house, you know, you, you may go to their house and, you know, use their kitchen or their living room. You don't go in their bedroom, right? No, of course <laughs> That's not. It's like private <laughs> space. And it's sacred. And so to have something in my home um, and, and, and to, be, to, to, to paralyze me mm-hmm. and to look at me inquisitively, and I don't know if I said this before, but there was actually a tail behind it that I could just see wow. um, waving behind it. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, but to think that, you know, what about my dogs? I mean, I'm a huge dog guy. You know, they're, they're my kids. Sure. And to think that, you know, something could happen to them. And, you know, I, I have to, and let me back up a second. I'm going to take part ownership of some of the bad things that have happened to me because I played with a Ouija board for a while.
0: And oh, that's a big no-no. One terrifying experience. What was that? I said, that's a big no-no. Yes, I know.
1: <laughs> I know now, Rob. <laughs> but back in the day, <laughs> I was a little green. So <laughs> um, You know, hey, let's play with the Ouija board. And so I'm playing with the Ouija board, and some horrible, horrible things came through, messages came through, and I finally said, okay, enough. And um, a friend of mine came over and I I pulled the Ouija board out of the drawer that I had it in, and he's like, oh, no, you want to play with this thing again? I said, no, I'm done. I said, "Uh, let's drop it off on the way to the gym. And um, so we dropped it off at literally one of those drop-offs where you can only put, like, you know, six inches worth of something in a donation bin. And I dropped it in, and literally didn't even get out of the car. He just drove up (laughs) close to it, and I put it through the window. Worked out, and next day, go to work. Again, he comes over to go to the gym. And... I opened that drawer and the Ouija board is back in the drawer. And he says, and I said, I said, come here. And he said, didn't we drop that off yesterday? And I said, okay, thank you. You know, cause I'm a, I'm a left brain guy. You know, I just don't say, you know, there's a little bit of smoke. It's a ghost. I don't say that, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 I can debunk things. I can find reasonable, you know, physical explanations. And it was back in the drawer. And that terrified me. That meant that something or someone, you know, had more control over what was going on in my life than me. And I'm a bit of a control freak, so it definitely just sent me over the edge. So I did the whole burn it in a barrel with salt, and Mm -hmm. and it burned black fire. It was... um, yeah, it was pretty terrifying wow. and nasty, but that ended up getting rid of it. But the day I opened that door the next day and found it in there, um, I felt helpless, if that makes sense.
0: It, like It does. I don't
1: have any control about what's happening.
0: It totally makes sense. We've got about uh, six minutes left. My producer just told me to uh, before we have to say so long. But I want to talk to you about uh, your, your new book that's coming out, Ghost Crimes. Tell me yeah, about so, that. What was the inspiration yes, for it? So I'm-
1: I'm super excited. So, um, 4 years ago I wrote Ghost Crimes mm. and what motivated me to write it was I'm a huge X-Files fan and I loved how every episode was a case yeah. and I loved how they then weaved a the narrative through the cases um, as an understory and I think Chris Carter just did an amazing job oh, that with that he did, series. Yeah. And I love that Mulder was In it alone for the most part right it was he was trying to prove these things and everybody you know they literally put him in a basement and said go do your weird stuff and you know he he got a reluctant partner who came in and 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 helped him you know but again was the the skeptic and and the other side of things and so in ghost crimes it's literally six cases um weaved together and they were based on actual events and it was really inspired by two things one an event that happened on the house on the street that i grew up on where uh, one of my neighbors, the woman was um, hearing voices through the vents and she was thought to be um, talking to spirits who were making her do awful things. And she did a lot of awful things. She didn't harm her children, Mm -hmm. but uh, thankfully, um, but she did um, stab one of the children's birds with a knife. Um, The the child came running out in the street with this. I have a vivid memory of this. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was terrifying things for a small child to see. And I thought, wow, that, that stuff actually happens. There was a satanic cult in the woods behind her house um, where they found sacrificed animals. Wow. And I said, okay, let me just gather these stories and put them together. And because the main character is a detective and ghost crimes, um, I reached out to the first responders and got their stories. And that's how ghost crimes came about. Um, it was six cases and, and very, very dark, um, but actual events that happened. And The new book I put out is Ghost Crimes, A Paranormal Enemy. It's book two in the series. And so I've taken the characters to another level. They're damaged um, from what had happened um, in the first book. And this one is not based on actual cases. There are some actual cases in there, but um, I, I took some liberties with it. So it's a fictional book, you know, officially. And they've taken it to another level. And they actually have formed a support group where people share their experiences. And so I'm able to take the experiences that were conveyed to me by these first responders and continue to tell their stories through this fictional group in the story. And I'm very, very proud of it. And I'm very, I think first responders, you have no idea what these folks go through, paranormal and otherwise, yeah. what they see. And we owe them so much for what they do. They literally leave their homes in the morning and say, I'm going to go put my life on the line for strangers today. And they leave their families at home and they do that. And they, they deserve nothing but our respect and and our support. And if just talking about something terrifying that happened and having someone believe it, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the first step towards, you know, getting past it and, and being a, it's healing. Yeah. And, and and so if I can do that for him in this way, then, then I'm thrilled to do it.
0: Well, I'm, I fully agree with you about law enforcement because I was a police officer for a number of years. And whenever I put my badge on, my wife said, you're putting on your target.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I can't imagine the toll. I mean, the, the relief that must co- have come over your wife and, and when you finally pulled into the driveway. Oh, gosh. And she yeah. saw the lights and said, yeah. okay, you made it home today. You know. I can't.
0: Wow. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, it, but I was honored to do it. You know, I, I felt very proud and I took pride in my job and it gave me a, a great sense of... of um, personal satisfaction when at the end of a shift you would realize that, all right, you were able to take care of the people that you were responsible for in your given territory and that you were going home to be, see your family. So... You know, it was really a, a blessing and an honor to, uh, to serve and protect. Um, I've got about two minutes left, and I know this is going to push you, but what do you think happens to us when we die?
1: What makes sense to me is that we get a clarity like we've never had at all. I think the veil is lifted, and we have a clarity of why we came here, what we were supposed to do. And we are objectively able to see what we did. So if we were supposed to conquer a particular fear or insecurity, we're able to see it and say, yeah, I was <laughs> able to get past it for the most part. Or, hey, I did conquer that. Great. Or, no, I totally messed that up. And I need to you know, bring that into the next lifetime and try it again a different way. And I think that's, that's what you do is you look back and, and, and sort of like give you your scorecard of, of what you were trying to do.
0: Hmm. Do you believe in reincarnation?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I can't imagine you come here one time. I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's
1: too much to do and too many time periods to do it in. And, you know, there's, we, we I think we come in with just love and, and a certain perspective. And we come here and they're like, whoa, what's all this other nonsense? What's all this greed and guilt and all this other nonsense that doesn't exist? when we're, you know, in the spirit form. And that's where we re- really learn the lessons. But it's a bit of a gift, I think, because how much do you appreciate the good stuff when you experience the bad stuff? Even more so, right?
0: Well said, well said. Gary, uh, let our listeners know how they can find out more about you and where they can get your books.
1: Sure, so all my books are available on Amazon.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook, again, at www.garyallen.com. G-A-R-E. A-L-L-E-N dot com.
0: Gary, take care of yourself. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, I look forward to the next time you and I meet back here in the Exo.
1: Thank you so much, Robin. Again, welcome back.
0: Thank you, sir. That's ExoNation. Our guest this hour has been Gary Allen. And uh, wow, what experiences this young man has had. I'm sure his books would make a perfect gift for that oncoming season of Christmas there, I put our first christmas plug in place what can i say halloween's nearly over which means sunday is halloween and monday they start playing christmas carols i'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the x-zone with yours truly rob mcconnell from our broadcast center and studios in crystal beach ontario i'll be back don't go away